This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. Here again is Dan Loney. Welcome back. Hour number two of Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. The impact of the Affordable Care Act has been something thrown around by both sides of the political aisle, but the facts are that millions of people have had access to insurance despite any concerns over cost, which are important. The expansion of Medicaid in some states has also been discussed. New reporting by the Colorado School of Health and the University of Colorado at Denver looked at the impact that Medicaid expansion has played on the health of the hospital industry. Richard Lindruth and Greg Tung are two of the authors of the study, and they join me on the phone to discuss this. And also joining me here in studio is Rob Field, who's professor of law and professor of health management and policy at Drexel University. He's also a lecturer uh, here at the Wharton School as well. Richard, Greg, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Yes, yes, thank you. Thank you both. Rob, great seeing you again. Thanks for coming in. Uh, So Richard, Greg, uh, I guess let's start with the basis for looking at the correlation between these two, between the Medicaid expansion uh, and the hospital industry. Richard, I'll let you start. Uh, yeah, so we we actually um, had heard mainly anecdotal stories about closures occurring, uh, you know, just as they were reported in the newspaper. In fact, the, the Denver Post had a big expose on it uh, as well. And, you know, we realized that many of those closures were occurring in states that did not expand Medicaid. And so we thought it would be interesting to look at it and apply rigorous methods to, to really understand if this was a widespread uh, issue, and if there is a strong association between the expansion and hospital survival. Greg? Yeah, and I'll just um, reiterate some of what Rich said. I think that we were also aware of other work that looked at the expansion's impact on hospital financial positions, but we were also became aware that nobody had taken that look specifically at closures, so we wanted to examine that particular issue. So, so Greg, what were the findings? Uh, So in a nutshell, what we found is uh, kind of uh, intuitive in that what we found is that in hospitals that uh, expanded Medicaid, they were much less likely to close, six times less likely to close than hospitals that were in non-expansion states. And we found that those effects were stronger uh, and more apparent uh, in rural hospitals. Um, which also makes sense because they tend to be the more financially vulnerable. And, and Richard, one of the th- one of the things we were, uh, I was talking with Rob before we went on the air, and, and just from a, a layperson's uh, point of view, I, I think a lot of people would say uh, they would wonder how there is that significant of a correlation between the lack of a Medicaid expansion in some states and. The, the impact on the hospitals. They, they would say, a lot of people would say, well, hospitals are, you know, are multi-million, billion-dollar facilities to begin with. How is there such an impact like that? Uh, yes, and I think, you know, part of the reason it was stronger in the rural hospitals is that they're in locations where the pair mix is not favorable. There are fewer private pairs in rural areas, and most of the people tend to be on uh, Medicare, uh, high numbers of uh, uninsured, as well as Medicaid. So when you shift those people who are uninsured onto Medicaid, it, it certainly helps the, the bottom line. And, and uh, part of our analysis also looked at financial margins 
and the margins uh, from treating Medicaid and uninsured combined uh, increased dramatically under the expansion. Rob, what was your reaction to, to the reporting? Yeah, so uh, I think it picks up on themes we've known about for a while and that I've uh, spent a lot of time looking into, um, resulting in a, a recent book, Mother of Invention, How the Government Created Free Market Healthcare. So you have these facilities that are part of the market, and they really rely on government programs. Uh, Medicare for safety net hospitals, also for pediatric hospitals. Mm. Uh, Medicare, uh, I'm sorry, Medicaid for those. Medicare for all of the other hospitals, particularly academic medical centers. Uh, and then we have other programs like NIH for the pharma companies. Uh, so this is a theme uh, that's fam- familiar to, m- to many of us. But what this study does is to quantify it and show how it's actually playing out. We have rural hospitals at the margin, uh, many of them safety net providers, and this is just enough to, to push them over the, uh, over the edge. Well, how many, how many facilities are, are we talking about, Rich, uh, you know, over the course of what was it, close to a decade that you, that you looked at this, correct? Uh, yes. Yeah. And so we found in the period uh, after the expansion, so uh, post-2014, uh, that there were about 20, 22 closures uh, per year, and um, mm-hmm. the expansion was associated with a reduction of 11 to 12 closures. And, and so that, tur- that, that turns into what kind of an economic impact uh, on, on the hospital itself? Uh, I, I, obviously, that plays out. It's kind of a multiplier. It, it's the hospital itself, but it's also the area in which those, those hospitals are located. Uh, yes, exactly. So for the area where they're located, it's a it's a large impact. Uh, if you have a local hospital closed, that's also a major employer of the local population, but also it may be the only option that the local residents have for care. So after a closure, they may have to travel, you know, quite a ways in order to, to seek hospital care. So locally, it's a large impact. However, if you looked at the hospital industry as a whole, you know, there are about four Four to 5,000 um, non-federal government hospitals uh, in operation. And so it's a relatively small percentage overall, but for the individual locations, it's a very large impact. And so, go ahead, Rob. Yeah, and as, as Richard and, and Greg point out, um, these local hospitals tend to be major employers. Uh, many of them are pillars of the economy and in, in their communities. Right. So the effect is much broader even than, than the health care effect. 844-WHARTON is the number if you would like to join in, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111, B-I-Z Radio 111, or you can use my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Greg, the other piece to this, obviously, is the question surrounding Medicaid right now and uh, what we could be looking at in the future is the thought that if Medicaid is adjusted somehow, some way by the government in the months to come, that we could see this multiply even further? Yeah, and I think um, that is the big implication of our study, is that um, the revenue that's flowing through Medicaid does have a very significant impact on hospitals, and that can go all the way to hospital closures. And thinking about questions about what to do with Medicaid or other aspects of healthcare reform moving forward, I think the big implication of our study is if you decrease Medicaid in some way, roll back the expansions, turn it into some sort of block grant that would result in less money flowing through Medicaid, that that's going to have serious implications uh, for hospitals, especially rural hospitals. Richard? Uh, Yes. Yes. You know, I completely agree with what what Greg said. said. And, um, yeah, and, and you know, there are many hospitals that are, 
you know, really on the, the margin of, of closure. And even though Medicaid in and of itself isn't uh, necessarily a profitable payer, it's better than nothing. And so if Medicaid is cut back, uh, that pulls directly from the, these hospitals' uh, bottom line and can tip them into closure and reduce access. And this ties into a broader issue, as, as I think the authors note in their paper, uh, the whole issue of entitlements. And uh, yeah. that is now on the agenda, certainly in the, in the House, to consider uh, Medicare, Medicaid, and even Social Security. Uh, we tend to look at the beneficiaries, and it's certainly important uh, for them, uh, but the structure, the corporate structure, the institutional structure that's built on these programs is at least as important. And those are put in jeopardy when we start tinkling, tinkering with, with the entitlements uh, without being very careful. Well, going from, we talked a little bit about the negative side of things, Richard. Greg, but but from the positive side, when you have the Medicaid expansion in some of these states, what is that? That is there a, a percentage impact that you have seen from, that that these hospitals benefit from from having the expansion in that state? Uh, yeah. So in terms of the the bottom line, and so the many of these hospitals are small, um, but the the benefit. On average, was about two hundred fifty thousand uh, going straight to the bottom line. Which obviously, um, for a for a small hospital, ends up being a, a significant piece of of their of their operating budget every year. Uh, yes, and they're you know the closure just is a difficult one, and they are looking forward. So they're looking forward um, at their performance over multiple years, and so it it does. Uh, add up over time. And uh, another thing that was occurring in the background during this time period is that there was uncertainty about disproportionate share hospital payments. Um, Originally, under the original Affordable Care Act, they were to be phased out. Um, These are payments that are paid uh, either through states or directly to hospitals to, in a sense, compensate them uh, for disproportionate share of Medicaid and uncompensated care and Medicare patients. Um, and so a forward-looking hospital will look at the future of those payments, and then they're in a state that did not expand Medicaid, and so the future looks pretty bleak, and so they you know, are much more likely uh, to close. And so even though a one-year estimate's 250000 when you combine it with everything else and expectations about the future, um, it, it can be enough to, to make them close. Greg, I, I think to a degree when in going through this report and, and obviously the impacts that we have kind of laid out, I think this is an eye-opener for, for a lot of people who don't necessarily associate the Medicaid expansion with hospitals being such a, a key component, especially in some of these, uh, in some of these smaller locations. Yeah, I, I agree with that. <clears throat> and I think that what it really does is highlights that there are real implications, specifically looking at hospital financial performance, and that can flow all the way down to closures. And as we've talked about a little bit, especially in rural areas, uh, that has big implications for access to care, right? If uh, a rural hospital is in a location and that's the only facility there closes, that has huge implications for access. But as you pointed out, and something that we mentioned in our paper, is those hospitals are pillars of the community. They're major employers there. So it has implications that go beyond just simple access to care in those areas. 
So to play devil's advocate for a minute, I'm curious in, to Richard and, and, and Greg's reaction. A lot of these hospitals were marginal to begin with. Uh, it was the ACA's Medicaid expansion that really kept them from, many of them from closing a, a, a while ago. There's a sense that we still have too many hospital beds in the country. So this uh, Medicaid expansion is kind of holding off a, a natural attrition that uh, some of the marginal, lower quality, uh, less efficient uh, facilities uh, uh, would go uh, go have gone by the wayside. Uh, now, it's going to be a particular hit in rural uh, areas, but is this a trend that was kind of inevitable uh, and we're just kind of putting our fingers in the dike? Richard? Yeah. Yes, that's, a, yeah, that's a, an excellent point. And um, I think if you think about that in a competitive market, you know, a market where there are multiple options for hospital care, uh, it may be that one of those hospitals, relatively low quality, you know, poorly managed, um, inefficient. Um, it could be beneficial if that hospital closes. That's part of the evolutionary improvement in the market that you get from competition. Um, however, with uh, the smaller rural hospitals, it's not necessarily a competitive environment. Most of their payers uh, are governmental, and the prices are set by fiat, you know, by government mandate. And so there's not a, a marketplace that's working. Uh, so the prices don't adjust. And so in that case, um, you could have, you know, quality, efficient hospitals that are valued by the community closed um, just because the government prices are too low or change. Or in this case, um, the, the insurance coverage uh, is not sufficient to, uh, to support the care of the local population. So it really depends on whether there are other options available within the community. Greg, Greg. Um, I was going to add our uh, follow-up study, which we're working on now, will uh, address that that very point. So we're going to look at the closures and uh, use econometric modeling to measure how much they were valued in the community. And I would expect, you know, maybe some of them um, probably weren't valued very much, and they closed um, uh, because people weren't seeking their services and didn't value their services. Greg, anything to add? Yeah, I think that it was a really good question, Dan. Uh, and in a nutshell, I agree with everything that Rich said. I, I do think it really depends on the market and which ho- hospital you're talking about. And maybe just to touch on the, the key point that I think was important, what Rich said, I think a closure in an urban area where you've got lots, lots of hospitals competing with one another, that has a very different effect on the community than a closure in a rural area where there might only be one hospital serving that, that community. Well, and, and uh, probably a lot of these hospitals, Greg, were, you know, what, 20-bed, uh, 50-bed tw- facilities uh, in some cases, correct? Yeah, a, a, that is true. A lot of the hospitals in rural areas uh, tend to be smaller. That's correct. or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Rob, when you look at a a study like this from the outside, what do you think the the impact of having this data is now on kind of the, the overall medical industry right now? I think it gives the medical industry some more ammunition for things that they've been saying for a while now, uh, that these safety net programs and other programs are essential to have our healthcare infrastructure intact, uh, again, beyond the, the benefits for the beneficiaries. Uh, whether they'll use it or not uh, is not clear. But to have this kind of empirical data showing 
uh, this direct connection, uh, I think is going to be very important in the debates uh, at the state level for the states that have not expanded yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, The argument being that this is not uh, just a beneficiary program. Uh, This is a program for hospitals and for jobs. It's very much a jobs program. And the debates in Congress over the coming year uh, over entitlements. And if we do make uh, further cuts to Medicaid and to Medicare, uh, what else of our health care infrastructure is at risk? Rich, speaking off of that, what what has been the reaction you have received to this point uh, from either people in in other parts of the medical field or uh, you know on the government side as well? Um, there has been a reaction from uh, you know especially locally in Colorado from uh, hospital um, uh, CEOs uh, who have kind of were holding up our paper is is an example of how. Uh, important the Medicaid program is to them and their bo- bottom line and ability to uh, uh, continue to serve um, uh, Coloradans. Um, uh, in terms of uh, the, the government, I haven't heard yet. It, it just came out uh, about a week ago. Um, but uh, I, I would guess o- over time, uh, folks, you know, we will hear from folks, uh, especially in the, the state Medicaid programs. Greg, anything you've heard, Dad? Um, no, I... I think I'll just echo some of the things that uh, that Rich said in terms of uh, some of the contact that we already have. But but maybe I'll just touch on a point that uh, that Rob made about um, how the implications of our paper really go beyond just thinking about these programs in terms of their direct impact on access for individuals, but then there are real consequences for the underlying system and the infrastructure that exists. And I think that's relevant. I mean, we looked specifically at the Medicaid expansions, but I think it's relevant to thinking about um, other changes to the system, other changes to uh, Medicaid moving forward. So I, I'd be curious for, for Richard and Greg, as you plan your further uh, research agenda, uh, b- beyond the safety net hospitals, uh, pediatric hospitals rely very heavily on Medicaid. Uh, yeah. A huge proportion of their patients are under Medicaid. Forty to 50 percent of all births in the country are under Medicaid. Uh, services for disabled children, particularly autistic children, are covered by Medicaid. Have you thought about looking at some of these other industry segments and how they might be affected? Richard, Greg, who would like to take that? You want to take a first step, Richard? You got it. Yeah, yeah, I could take that. Yeah, okay. and that's particularly relevant in the current uh, discussions about extending uh, CHIP or the Children's Health mm-hmm. Insurance Program, and that covers uh, a, a large number of children. Uh, in uh, it's higher than regular Medicaid in terms of the income eligibility requirements, um, but it's a, a large uh, uh, portion of of children, and uh, that we haven't looked at it. Directly, uh, as as you say, I would expect uh, that the pediatric hospitals are um, very much reliant on CHIP, and many of the, the children's hospitals also serve as a safety net uh, hospital as well for those children. 844-942-7866 is the number if you would like to join in with your comments or questions. 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Uh, Gene is in St. Paul, Minnesota. Gene, go ahead. Hi. I, I'm a little confused or concerned by the sort of top-line did- uh, information from the study in that okay. it always seems that a closure of a hospital is catastrophic and sort of there's an emotional response to that. But kind of as a fiscal conservative, unfortunately, hospitals are a really poor 
model for a lot of the healthcare that we receive. They're extremely expensive uh, to run, and you know they're fighting competition for sort of the low-level services from things like CVS and Walgreens and urgent care walk-in centers and all of these things where people are getting their yep. their basic kind of bread and butter healthcare from a different place. And um, we have a home in a in a rural area that has a very good hospital. But it's kind of where you go for your earache, um, because if you have serious surgery, they're going to transport you. You're going to go somewhere else. Now, um, they might be able to stabilize you in a in an emergency or in a car accident, but it's not where you're going to go for your open heart surgery. Right. Um, because they don't have specialists. They don't have a lot of high capacity. So I, I would be more interested in a study that looked at every one of those 20 closures or whatever and determined, you know, what ancillary care, what surgical centers, what other things, because I think sort of a top line conclusion to draw from some of this is very misleading. And of course, a politician will okay. run with that and say, oh, my God, we know we yeah. need more Medicaid because hospitals are closing. Okay. So I certainly hope they can definitely drill down a little deeper and find out what's happening because hospitals are not an efficient way of delivering health, the most of the health care in this country. Okay, I'll, I'll let Richard and Greg respond to that. Uh, Richard, you start? Uh, yeah, thank you. You're, it's a great uh, advertisement for our, for our next paper when we will be uh, <laughs> drilling down into those issues. Um, yeah, and you, you bring up a, a very good point. Um, so one thing we haven't discussed is the critical access hospital program. And so critical access hospitals are hospitals that are uh, small. By, in order to qualify, they need to have less, fewer than 25 beds, and they don't provide any specialized services. So in a sense, they play that role of stabilizing the, the patient and then um, shipping them out to other perhaps more appropriate places of care. Um, and those hospitals were actually less likely to close in our in our analysis. So it was really those in the 25 beds and higher. And um, I, I agree that some of those hospitals may be inefficient, and they should have closed. And I, I would note that we had closures in both expansion states and non-expansion states. Uh, however, what our findings show is they were much less likely in expansion states. So those uh, set of hospitals that would have closed had they not expanded Medicaid, um, uh, maybe, and we hypothesize our providing value to the market. And though we didn't uh, look at that directly within right. this paper, we will be following up to look at that more in more detail. Greg, anything you'd like to add? I'll just say I think the, the caller makes a good point uh, in that you know hospitals are not the ideal uh, service provider for all types uh, of care, and I think it's an important question moving forward. Yeah, Rob. Yeah, so so it sort of gets to to, to my point earlier about isn't there a. a long-term trend here, and, and we're just temporarily halting it. But the study still speaks to the larger point of the link between the safety net programs and yep. the provider community. Uh, and I think that's an important part of the political debate that needs to be highlighted. Jeannie, thanks. Uh, Jean, thanks very much for the call. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, Richard, Greg, thank you very much for your time today. Uh, and we look forward to talking again when the uh, when the next uh, part of the, the study comes out. Thank you both. Thanks for having us. All right. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you both. Rob, as always, great seeing you. Thank you for coming over today. Thank you. Really appreciate it. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.